Hello, I'm Ray. Welcome to this week's podcast episode, all about sweet shops. I know what you're thinking. How can you talk for an hour about sweet shops in the 50s and 60s? Well, you know me, I can talk for two hours about sweet shops. So back in the 50s, I remember we had two sets of shops near to us. We were kind of in the middle, equidistant, there's a word, equidistant from the two rows of shops. One row of shops, our main one, had a huge sweet shop. Do you know, they sold everything in there. They sold newspapers and magazines, sweets, of course, cigarettes, pipes and tobacco, all the tobacco and all the paraphernalia that goes with pipe smoking, lighters, matches, of course. They didn't sell alcohol. I suppose these days they you know, would have sold alcohol as well. But it was an amazing... They, oh, kids' toys, yeah, everything. Um, cowboy outfits. I was Hopalong Cassidy. I got a cowboy outfit from there. And on my hat, it said Hopalong Cassidy. <laughs> but it was great. They sold guns and the caps. You know the caps that go with guns? Bang, bang. Because there were a lot of uh, wasteland near us, a lot of woods and fields. And we used to you know, play cowboys and Indians and stuff like that. We were all cowboys. I don't know why it was always called cowboys and Indians, because we didn't have any Indians. Anyway, you know, we'd hide behind these mounds of earth and behind trees and in the woods, firing at each other with our cap guns. A friend of mine had a rifle. I only had pistols. You had you know, your holsters and all your gear. He had a rifle. And I was so envious of his rifle. It was a, a Winchester, is that right? A Winchester rifle. Only fired caps, of course, but that was brilliant. I loved that gun. Whenever I saw it, he let me have a go on it a few times. Whenever I saw it, I wanted one. But it, his parents had more money than we did, than my parents did. It was an expensive gun. And do you know what he did with it? We were playing on a building site once, and we went up. They were building houses. I forget where, somewhere near where we lived. And we went up the scaffolding, you know, as you do when you're kids. We're firing at each other. And he leaned on this wall at the top. He was upstairs in the house. He leaned on, there was no roof. Leaned on the wall, and it's a cavity wall. So you can look down between the two rows of bricks, well, all the way down to the ground. He dropped his rifle down there. I was with him at the time. I heard it go clank, clank, crash, crash, right the way down to the bottom. No way you get it out. You'd have to take the brick wall down to get the thing out. <laughs> he was so disappointed, and so was I. And his parents weren't too pleased either, because it was expensive. And you know, I know exactly where that building is now. And actually, it wasn't a house. It was the end of a row of shops next to a garage. And whenever I pass there, it was the upstairs flat. That's right. Whenever I drive past there or I'm round that way, I look at it and I think to myself, at the bottom of the brick brick wall in that shop, there's a, a Winchester rifle. <laughs> I bet it's still, well, it will be still there. No one would have taken the wall down, would they? Oh, talking of garages. Oh, don't. I've just realised this morning I woke up and I'm thinking, right, what's today? I've got MOT and service on the car. I thought I'd better have a, a bit of a check to see exactly what date the MOT runs out. It's not next month, it's the end of this month. In fact, it's Monday. You're listening to this Sunday, it runs out tomorrow. So this morning, I had to go around with the car, get a new tyre fitted, because one of them was, the chap said it was okay, but it was a little bit near, near to the tread. So I had a new tyre fitted, I've booked the car in, what a palaver. We had to change plans. We had other things going on next week, so we've had to change all that. Were there MOTs back in the 50s? When did MOTs come in? Do you have MOTs in America and Australia and wherever else? What is it? Ministry of Transport, it stands for. I remember in the old days with MO, when the MOTs were first out. It must have been in my lifetime. Yeah, it must have been. I remember old cars used to rust and the chassis would rust. So what people did, because of this MOT thing, you bash out with a hammer the rusty bit of chassis, get a piece of wood, like a, a beam of wood, I don't know, four by two or whatever the size was, kind of ram that in place <laughs> where the, the rusty bit of chassis you've hacked out, somehow fix it in place there, probably glue it or something, or just jam it in there. And then do you remember under seal, that black sort of tar, what was it, bitumen type stuff. You could paint all that under, under seal, you know, to keep the, the wet and that all off the metalwork under the car because they just rusted to bits back in those days. So what people would do is fit the bit of wood in place of the rotten chassis, 
underseal it all with this black thick tar stuff and you wouldn't notice. So what the <laughs> what the garages started doing, because they were aware of this, what was going on, they had some kind of detector, some electronic metal detector or whatever it was, or perhaps it was just a magnet, I don't know. And they go along under the chassis. It must have been a magnet, thinking about it. And they didn't have electronics then, did they? Well, not that sort of electronics. So they go along under the chassis. And if there's a section of the chassis that the magnet wouldn't stick to, then that obviously wasn't the metal chassis. It's a bit of wood. <laughs> so they'd fail the car. But as MOTs went on, there was always welding going on. You know, you take your car. Oh, it's failed. Oh, no, what on? You need some welding done. Oh, OK, go on. Whereas these days with the more modern cars, well, people don't keep cars for that long anymore, do they? You know, you don't keep cars for sort of 20, 30 years like they used to back then. I mean, the cars I had were, what, 20 years old plus. So things like rust, you know, they were becoming a problem. A lot of welding needed doing, but it doesn't happen these days. What cars fail on MOTs, I think, these days is things like, well, your windscreen wiper wasn't good enough <laughs> or the windscreen washer didn't work, so we failed it. Uh, not so much that there's a, a section of chassis missing and you've, you've stuck a lump of wood in its place. Happy days. Going back to the sweet shop, I don't know how we got into garages. Going back to the sweet shop, I had a paper round. Now, it wasn't my local sweet shop. This was one quite a bit further away. Uh, I didn't want a paper round. I mean, who wants a paper round? 14 shillings a week back then. That's not even 75 pence. 14 shillings a week for getting up early every morning, like six o'clock in the morning, going out on your bike, wind, cold, rain, wet, snow, frost, ice. Dreadful. I don't know what, well, I, I had to do it. I was going to say, I don't know why. My parents made me do it, which wasn't fair. They said, you've got to get some money. You're always over the switch or buying things. You've got to earn your own money. I suppose that was fair enough. So I hated the paper round, but I did it. I didn't like the chap in the shop. As I said, it was quite a way from my house. So I had quite a cycle ride to do in the first place, at least a mile. And then, what was it, three or four miles on the paper round and then a mile back. So I'd done six miles before I got to cycle to school, which was getting on for another two miles. Ridiculous for 14 bob a week. Anyway, this friend of mine, we were going to go fishing. So I got my paper round finished. His was bigger round than mine. So I joined him halfway through his round. I was going to help. He was cycling along, along the pavement. I was cycling with him and he's doing it American style. Now, you know what I mean, don't you? Those of you in America are going to say, oh, yes, I know. What he did was he folded the papers up and as he cycled past each house, he threw it over the fence or the hedge or the wall into the front garden or threw it onto their front drive. I've seen this in American films. You know, the kids doing the paper round. They just chuck it, don't they? If they're lucky, it'll land on the front porch. But uh, very often it just lands on the grass. And I said to him, you can't do that. He said, oh, I want to go fishing. You know, we're going to be late going fishing. It must have been a Saturday uh, we were going fishing. Yeah, actually, we did a paper round. I think we even did it Sundays because people had Sunday newspapers. So 14 shillings a week for seven days. Oh, that's child labour. <laughs> I should have gone to the UN and complained. Anyway, the next day at the paper round shop, we went in there and uh, he, he went in. He said, you got my round ready to the chap? He said, well, you've got to do yesterday's round first. And he said, what do you mean? And this, this chap said, well, you threw them all in the gardens. It rained. They all got soaking wet. So he, he didn't get the sack. I thought he was going to be thrown out, but he didn't. I don't know why. I think the chap must have liked him. So he didn't get the sack. But it was so funny watching him do this American style, cycling along the pavement, taking each one out of his bag and chucking it over the fence or whatever, the hedge, or into people's gardens because it rained and they all got soaked. So 14 shillings a week. I'll never forget that. Four, I've got a 10 bob note and four shillings. For eight, no, not eight, eight days a week. That's the Beatles. Seven days a week getting up at six o'clock. Oh, there we are. I didn't uh, I didn't have a lot of money. I think I gave up the paper round. I had my pocket money. That was half a crown a week. Two and six. Do you remember that? Two and sixpence. I was outside the sweet shop one, uh, one day. I didn't have any money and I wanted some sweets. And on the pavement, on the ground, I saw a farthing. Now, who remembers farthings? 
tiny little coin with a robin. Do you remember that? A robin on it in the middle of the coin, a farthing. It was a quarter of a penny, right? A quarter of an old penny. So worth nothing, really. And in the sweet shop, they used to sell blackjacks. You know those blackjacks? Make your teeth and tongue and your lips all black. They tasted, what did they taste of? Not aniseed. Oh, they were nice. Aniseed balls. Oh, bliss. So I found this farthing. Now, blackjacks were four for a penny. So I went into the shop and I said, could I have one blackjack, please? She said, well, they're four for a penny. And I held up this coin. I said, I've only got a farthing. And she said, oh, OK, fair enough. Took the farthing and gave me one blackjack. So that was the result. Found some money. Didn't often find money. Of course, I had to earn it on the paper round. Once I'd left the paper round, I, I didn't get another one. I didn't like it. It was it really was, as I say, child labour. I don't think the sweet shops back then were called news agents. They're news agents now. I don't know what they are now. No, there aren't sweet shops now, are there? Not as such. I think they're, they're, well, they're corner shops, aren't they? Or general stores, local stores or something. I don't think we've got, I might be wrong, I try not to go into town if I can help it, but I don't think we have sweet shops as they were anymore. Also, back in those days, yeah, they didn't sell alcohol, as I've said. Uh, they only sold soft drinks or you know, fizzy drinks, whatever. But they did sell cigarettes, of course. And back then, you could go into a, a sweet shop, buy cigarettes at 10 years old. Now, I don't know what the law was then. It was probably 16. But you could go in there. I remember kids walking in there and saying, can I have 20 of this or 10 of that? You know, 10 woodbine, uh, 20, what was it? Um, can't remember all the cigarettes now. You know, Woodbine, Park Drive, Embassy, the, oh, various ones like that. And the kids were going, oh, can I have 20 Embassy? It's for my dad or it's for my mum. And they'd just say, yeah, there you go. And they'd sell a 10-year-old cigarettes. I remember loads of kids doing that because most parents back in the 50s and early 60s, most people smoked. I think just about every every family smoked. <laughs> yeah, I remember going into people's houses. You know, it used to stink of cigarettes. Having said that, you didn't notice it too much because your own house would stink of cigarette smoke. Everyone did. Everyone at school, all their blazers, their clothes, all smelt of cigarettes. The teachers smoked. In fact, uh, their art teacher, I think I've told you before, he'd sit up the top of the class at his desk smoking a cigarette. He had his ashtray, his transistor radio, and he's listening to the pirate ships, Radio Caroline and Radio London and stuff. That was at the... Uh, the secondary modern school that I went to when I was a bit older. Everyone smoked back then and shopkeepers didn't seem to be bothered about how old the, the customer was. He could be anything from 10 to 110. He didn't care as long as he had the money. You couldn't buy alcohol in sweet shops. They had a, a special shop for that called the Off Licence or the Offy. A lot of pubs had an Off Licence so you didn't have to go into the pub. It was like a, I suppose, like a separate shop with its own door, a little shop. And you could go in there and buy booze. But the off-licences, they were more aware of age. Uh, I do remember I'd be in there buying Tizer or 7-Up or whatever we had in those days, Cherry Aid and things. And I do remember, actually, a couple of kids, they must have been no more than 12, 13. I remember them going in and wanting beer. One of them said, oh, it's for my dad. He wants a couple of bottles of brown ale or whatever. Because I was quite surprised uh, not at his choice of beer, but <laughs> but the, the chap said, oh yeah, okay, perhaps he knew them. I don't know, perhaps he knew them. But it just did occur to me, well, if that's the way you can do it, you know, that, that works. And I do remember being a bit older when I went to a, I went to a boys' club. That was awful. This boys' club, oh, it was dreadful. And there was a pub next door with an off-licence. And I remember these boys, it was a shilling for a bottle of beer. And I remember these boys coming out of this off-licence with a bottle of beer. Now, in the club, they sold soft drinks, and that was it. And I think some sweets. There's sweets everywhere back in those days. Even at school, there was a tuck shop full of sweets and fizzy drinks. So I went into this pub with my friend, and I said, a uh, couple of bottles of brown ale, please. And the chap, he sold it to us. <laughs> we didn't like it. it. had a funny top, not, not a you know bottle opener type top, but a funny I can't remember what it was, like a stopper type thing. So we opened these, it was dark, and we're down this alleyway <laughs> where this youth club thing is. And we're swigging out of these bottles of beer. We must have been, I don't know, 13, perhaps 14, I don't know. 
and it was disgusting. I didn't drink all my, he didn't drink all his. We tipped it away and then chucked the bottles in this bin thing out the back of the, the off licence. It was dreadful stuff. Having said that, I did rather become partial to a beer or two a bit later in life. No, it wasn't the pub we went into, it was the off licence, which was part of the pub. And round the back, I remember round the back, you could uh, you could see all the beer crates and barrels and stuff like that. I know where it is. I think it's gone. No, hang on. The, do you know what? The pub's still there. I'm just thinking where it was. The pub's still there. It's the, not the Georgian Dragon. It's the other one. I can't remember it. The Vine? Oh, it doesn't matter what it was called. But that uh, that youth club thing, no, it wasn't a youth club. It was a boys club. That was dreadful. They had someone in there. They had a hatchway in the wall where they sold sweets and soft drinks. Someone uh, sat at a table with a record player putting on records. There were no girls there. And what's the point of that? Young teenage boys with no girls. Well, that was a waste of time for a start. And some of the the blokes were sort of jigging around to the music. Well, I didn't. They looked stupid. And we got soft drink, you know, cans of 7-Up or these cup things of ties that they were pouring out. I forget the prices. Probably a rip-off. I only went there a few times. I got there because a neighbour of mine, he said, he was a bit older than me, he said, come down to the boys' club one whenever night it was. So I did, I went a few, probably only three or four times, and I got fed up with that, and I thought, well, this is no good. Yeah, no girls there, no birds. Oh, I mustn't say that, not allowed to say birds these days. Are we? Do you know a friend of mine? He and uh, and his, his wife, he's all right with it. When we're out anywhere, well, we're not now because of lockdown, We've been out somewhere and I've said, oh, look, look, there's some birds over. <laughs> My wife just laughs. She says, yeah, yeah, in your dreams. He laughs, but his wife doesn't like it or his daughter. They don't like me calling uh, young ladies birds. So I do it deliberately. Whenever we're out, I'll say, oh, look, look, there's some birds <laughs> over there. Oh, dear. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny. I'm not very politically correct. I think you probably gathered that over the last... Oh, 18 months. How long have I been doing these podcasts? Um, do you know, I can't remember. I think we're heading for 100 podcasts now, isn't it? One a week. I'm not counting the midweek message because that's only a sort of three-minute thing. But back to the sweets. Even at school, we had a tuck shop. And in the tuck shop, I used to get money from uh, my parents. And they gave me a sixpence and a threepenny bit, a couple of pennies, any loose change they might have hanging around. And in the tuck shop at playtime, I'd always buy a Pepsi, a bottle of Pepsi. Do you know what kids used to do with that? They'd hold their thumb over the top, shake it up and squirt kids with it. I mean, this is your, your school uniform, you know, your blazer. Mind you, we were scruffy in those days. They're all neat now, aren't they? I look at some of the kids that go to our local high school. Their uniforms are all smart and pressed. Their trousers and skirts are all neat and stuff. <laughs> in our days, ours was a boys' school, but in our days... All us boys, yeah, we were just scruffs. We really were scruffy. So getting Pepsi squirted all over your blazer, ah, it didn't matter. Soon dry. But we bought all these sweets. Dreadful amount of sugar, dreadful. No wonder my teeth were never particularly good. It was always around the dentist. Of course, in those days, dentists used to pull teeth out. They didn't, you know, fill them off, repair them. Oh, that one's gone. Rip that out. Yeah, that, uh, that garage that I used to get petrol from, that was next to the row of shops where the chap's rifle had gone down the cavity wall. When I first got, I was, what, 16, I got a scooter. I wasn't a mod, you know, there were mods and rockers. I wasn't either. I would have had a motorbike. It's just that a friend of mine was selling this scooter and he only wanted something like £20 for it. And it was quite nice. It all worked. So I said, yeah, I'll buy it. And all you do is you get yourself a provisional driving license, stick L plates on the thing, and off you go. You know, you don't have to have any lessons or you just head off on this scooter. It did 70 miles an hour, 75 I got out of it. It was a, a Vespa. Was it a Vespa 175? I can't remember. 150, 175. Anyway, 75 miles an hour. I was coming down the A24, you know, look on the map, A24 towards the coast. And it seized up. And I, th- I thought, what am I going to do? The back wheels screeched. I grabbed the clutch because the engine had seized. So that released the back wheel, carefully touched the foot brake, which operated just the back wheel, and I managed to slow down. Dreadful, that was. I thought I was going to crash. 
75 miles an hour on a scooter with some silly little crash helmet. Anyway, I stopped by the side of the road and I waited a while. I tried to start and it started. So it must have, I don't know, it seized up and then cooled down. I don't know how long I waited. It cooled down and unseized itself. It started and I drove home. And if I remember rightly, I drove home at about 30 miles an hour because I was a little bit shaken, to say the least. But the point of this was, that garage, that's where I used to get petrol from a scooter. And it was seven and six a gallon. Because I remember the first time I ever went in there, it was two stroke. So you had to have a squirt of oil with it in your tank. And the chap said seven and six. And I had a ten bob note. I remember that. How about that? Seven and six a gallon. Of course, that's gone. It's litres now. I mean, what's a litre? We used to have gallon cans. You know where you are. It's a gallon can. You buy a gallon of petrol. This day and age, it's litres. I can't work out litres. It's one pound, what is it? One pound 80 or 90 a litre. What is it? I can't. There's no comparison. Not only has the money changed to this new decimal stuff, <laughs> but the, the, you know, the, what you call it? What's it called? The fluid. Do you remember fluid ounces? That goes back a bit. Fluid ounces. They're now, I don't know, what is it now? I suppose metric. What are ounces now? I can't think. Fluid grams. <laughs> I don't know. It's all changed. I was talking to my mum this morning. I ring her now and then. And she said, oh, she's always on about the old days, as I am. And she said, you know, back then I was looking through some photographs. She was looking through, my sister was showing her some. And she said to my sister, oh, look at that dress. I remember that dress. I remember wearing that dress. I remember buying it. And she said it was a lovely dress. And she said to me, do you know, these days, she said, I know I'm old fashioned. This is my mum. I know I'm old fashioned. I said, well, so am I. She said, but I look out of the window and I watch girls walk by. She said, do you know, they don't look feminine. They wear jeans. They just got straight hair, trainers, some sort of top. She said, I never see anyone in a dress, very rarely in a skirt. She said, you know, even if we're going over to the shops, you wear a nice looking dress or skirt. She says these days they don't bother. I don't know what it is. She's right. I had to say, you know, I agree with you. She, you know, she was right. Uh, I've been looking out of the window this morning at girls. No, I don't, I don't mean like that. I mean, with a view to looking at their, their dress, their clothes, not looking at them. Well, looking at them a little bit. But she's right. I've watched girls walk past this morning by our house. And I don't think I've seen anyone in a skirt. I suppose a couple of girls I saw, they're walking dogs. Someone else was with a push chair, with a, a, a toddler in the push chair. Uh, I suppose you know, they're, they're doing things, they're out and about. It's not that warm out there, so they're not going to wear a dress or a skirt. But things certainly have changed. I like the old days. Anyway, that was my excuse for looking out of the window at the girls walking by. No such thing as an excuse, a friend of mine said to me once. Uh, I said, oh, sorry, well, that's my excuse anyway. I couldn't do something. He said, no, no, no such thing as an excuse that's a reason the reason you can't go is because of whatever it's not an excuse so that's good I rather like that what's the difference between an excuse and a reason I've no idea I don't know so I don't say to people now that's my excuse I say well that's the reason I'm not going which sounds better doesn't it so going back to the sweet shop do you know what they sold in there loads of toys guns as I told you when I say guns I mean I don't mean real guns obviously but they sold Plaster of Paris. Do you remember Plaster of Paris? I bought this kit, right? You take it home, there's like a plastic, did they have plastic bag? Yeah, it must have been a plastic bag or container of this sort of white powder. Looked a bit like flour. And then you had moulds, various moulds with it. And you mix up the plaster of Paris with water to a paste and then pour it into this mould Leave it forever, how long? I don't know how long it was, overnight or a week, three months, a year. <laughs> and eventually, if you were lucky, if you'd got the mixture right, it would be this plaster of Paris ornament. You'd peel off this sort of mould thing, this rubbery thing, and you're left with whatever it was, like an animal, a dog or a, I don't know, whatever the mould was. No, it wouldn't be a dog because they had legs. The moulds were very basic. They didn't have sort of bits sticking out like legs and things. So you'd have perhaps an owl uh, just sitting there and then you'd you'd paint it. I think you've got all the paints with it, like oil paints or whatever, um, enamel, whatever, in little pots and you've got a little brush 
and you'd paint your owl or, or whatever this thing was. Now that was quite good. You know, that would keep kids busy. I quite like that, that plaster of Paris, because it made a terrible mess. You've got this white powder, and when it's this sort of liquid, it splashes all over. You've got oh, everywhere, in your hair, your hands, your clothes, over the dining room table, on the floor. So, of course, there was always a, a bit of a telling off at the end of it. But it was worth it, making these ornament things. It quite good fun. Now, being a sweet shop, as I've said, they sold sweets. Do you remember sherbet? You get like a yellow tube and out of the top was a, a sticking a bit of licorice, a hollow tube of licorice. And you kind of, out of that, you could get the sherbet, sort of suck the licorice, suck the sherbet up through the licorice tube. I used to chew the licorice thing off and open the end of the, the tube and just tip the sherbet. What's sherbet made of? Probably a sugar. Probably, again, brilliant for your teeth. Ah, but none of us kids were fat. I don't remember any fat kids. See, all these sweets and all these fizzy drinks, full of sugar, but none of us were fat. Why? We were always over the woods climbing trees. I'm always on about that. I'm becoming repetitive, you're saying, aren't you? Here we go again, you're saying. is off again about the woods. I'm just crossing sherbet off my list. Aniseed balls, oh, oh bliss. I did like aniseed balls. And in the middle, you know, keep it in your mouth. Don't break it up. Well, you probably couldn't. You'd probably break your teeth before you broke this aniseed ball. In the middle was this funny little, what was it? It was like pith. P-I-T-H. you know pith? They used to get pith hats. What is pith? You could buy pith hats. I must look that up, pith. But these funny little things, I think that was like a lump of aniseed or whatever it was. But they were brilliant. Gobstoppers. Oh. Do you remember gobstoppers? I think they were a penny each. And you could buy big gob... I think the big gobstoppers were like two pennies each. Tuppence, as it was called back then. Tuppence. Threepence. That was good money there. One and tuppence. One and tuppence halfpenny. Seven, no, 17 and six. Uh, one and tuppence, three farthings. How about that? So that's one shilling and two pence and three farthings, three quarters of a penny. Not pence, pennies back then. Anyway, what was I saying? I can't remember now. Oh, that's right, gobstoppers. Yeah, these huge, um, about a, not quite the size of a golf ball, not far off. That's why they were called gobstoppers. They'd stop your gob, stop you from speaking. You think about it, how dangerous is that? And, and aniseed balls. You, you know, kids, they run along, don't they? They very rarely walk sensibly anywhere. They run fast. And they swing round lampposts and things like that. And they fall over with something like a gobstopper in your mouth. If you inadvertently got that down the wrong way, it blocks your breathing. Highly dangerous when you think about it. Should I? I, I said fat kids, didn't I? I'm not allowed to say fat kids anymore, am I? What do you have to say? Um, weight challenged children. Is that right? Weight challenged? I don't know. Fat kids will do. We didn't have any fat kids. Do you remember Love Hearts? little tube of love hearts and there's right there's a little love heart on each disc which was the sweet and it would say i love you or something and what you do is you find the right one the one that says i love you then you offer a sweet to a girl and she gets it and it says oh i love you that was all <laughs> that was all silly well that's when we we're about 10 or 11 years old i love you for goodness sake no you're not allowed to say fat overweight I think challenged is, is the thing you can say these days, isn't it? I'm challenged. I've lost half a stone. Did I tell you that last week? I've lost half a stone and I haven't lost any more than that, but uh, at least it's sort of stabilised there. So I'm on track. It's a slow process. You can't lose weight quickly. If you do, it'll just go back on. I think that's a, a quite a well-known fact that if you do a crash diet and you basically stop eating for a month, then, okay, you lose loads of weight, you're bound to. But it'll go back on very easily. Whereas if you do it gradually, like I am, <laughs> take about a year to you lose a pound. No, 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 it's not that long. Um, then it does, you know, it's easier to keep the weight off. So I am getting there. I'm getting, oh, I think I did tell you before, didn't I? I'm getting beach body ready for this summer. No, don't picture that, you'll feel ill. After the summer comes autumn and then winter. Now, there are two things I like about that time of year. One was Christmas, you know, when I was a kid. Christmas was brilliant. But there was something else that involved the sweet shop. Can you guess what it is? 
On the 5th of November, Guy Fawkes. Bonfire night, firework night, and of course, the sweet shop sold a whole range of fireworks. And again, it didn't matter what age you were, whether you wanted a a packet of cigarettes or to buy half a dozen bangers or a, a rocket or a roaming cat or jumping jack thing. They didn't care how old you were. If you had the money, they'd take it. Of course, we used to go in there and buy penny bangers. Do you know that the Tupney bangers, two pennies, were dreadful? I remember when they first came out, we thought, oh, we'll get some of the Tupney bangers. They've got to be better than the penny bangers. They weren't at all. The penny bangers, they were long, thin tube with the fuse bit at one ear, the blue touch paper at one end. And they were either white with black writing on, there were two types, or sort of red with black writing. Do you remember the advert? Light up the sky with standard fireworks. <laughs> Sorry, I must stop singing during these podcast episodes. <laughs> You're always switching off. But do you remember the adverts are all about fireworks? No health and safety. I don't know whether there were a load of accidents then. Well, I suppose there were, I don't know. But we'd go in the sweet shop. And you have a shilling or something or whatever, you know, two bob bit. <laughs> I'll have 24 penny bangers, please. And they put them in a brown paper bag for you. Because you already had your matches or you got a cigarette lighter from somewhere. You used to find cigarette lighters in the street. You know, nice one. I don't mean these plastic throwaway ones. Sometimes people would drop them because everyone smoked. As I said, everyone smoked. And they'd drop their cigarettes or their cigarette lighters. You're rushing for the train and things. So... We all had rather a nice Ronson petrol lighter. You had to buy petrol and put it in. The petrol came, do you remember? You could buy a tin of petrol, but you could buy a little sort of one fill type thing. It was a like a rubber, little rubber tube with like a teat on the end. And you try to make a hole in the teat and you could fill up your lighter. What it had inside the lighter was like cotton wool and the wick from the, the bit you know, that lights on top with the flint, the wick went into the cotton wool. So you'd soak it all in petrol, put the little screw on underneath to seal it all in. And it would last quite a long time, actually. So we had our lighter, I had my Ronson lighter, probably worth a few quid. And, we, <laughs> and we'd throw these bangers. You know, light, we didn't light it and stand back. We'd light it while it's in our hand and then throw it and watch it explode up in the air. Highly dangerous. Another good trick was on your bicycle. Okay, got your handlebars. You light a banger and poke it, <laughs> poke it down the handlebar. You know the handlebars are hollow tube, so each end where you're gripping it, each end's open. So you could chuck bangers down there and they go boom and sort of flames and smoke would, <laughs> would come out of the handlebars. Oh, I find it funny now, but it was so dangerous. But they were great days. How many times have I said that? Happy days. We also bought rockets. Now, this was dangerous. I don't know whose idea this was. Get a bit of copper tube, fix that on the handlebars of your bike, stick a rocket, you know, horizontal or, or tilting up slightly, stick the rocket down it and light it. So you're cycling along and you're firing rockets, you know, off the front of your bike. And, I mean, not at other kids or anything, but, uh, you know, this is when we were over, over the fields and the woods. I remember one chap... He set fire to a field. He fired a rocket and it sort of being horizontal, it just went down to the ground while it was still fizzing. And all the dry grass, you know, a lovely hot summer, it all started flaming and smoking. We managed to put it out. We all rushed over there and stamped it out. But uh, again, highly dangerous. It was rather like now you'd hear fireworks going off two weeks before firework night, bonfire night. Same now, I mean, any old excuse, sorry, reason, any old reason people let off fireworks. I don't know why. It's, it's a bit odd. I, on New Year's Eve, that's different. You're seeing the New Year in, midnight comes along, so you blow up a load of fireworks. I suppose that's fair enough. But other people, they have fireworks all year round. I don't know where they get them from. But in the summer, you hear fireworks going off in the evenings, all sorts of things happening. But of course, we could, as kids, as I said, just go over the sweet shop, buy a load of fireworks, build our bonfire, Get yourself a guy, you know, make a guy, a penny for the guy, stick him on a trolley on the wheels, take him over the shops, stand there looking forlorn and scruffy and poor, and people would put a penny or whatever into your pot. I mean, all we did with the money we collected was go and buy more penny bangers and blow them up. 
tell me, I don't know what people thought that the penny for the guy was for. What do they think we're going to spend the money on? Well, sweets and bangers. And as you got older, sweets, bangers and cigarettes. <laughs> oh, they were great days. The sweet shops also sold some more serious toys like Dinky. Remember the Dinky cars? The little sort of tin metal type cars in boxes with cellophane front so you could see what the car was like inside or the ambulance or the fire engine or whatever it was you were buying. They became worth a lot of money as the years passed. I remember people collecting them and leaving them in their boxes, not playing with them, but leaving them in their boxes. Dinky toys became, well, and still are, highly collectible. Train sets. Uh, the sweet shop also sold train sets. Only little ones, you know, um, clockwork or whatever. You could buy the, the rails and signal boxes, bits and pieces. As I said, the, the main sweet shop near us was a big shop. It was a, a corner shop um, on this row of shops. It sort of went round the corner and they had this huge corner shop. So they were able to stock a lot of stuff there. It was amazing. They sold a few books as well. I remember the children's books. Do you remember the I Spy books? I hated those. I could never get on with them. Whatever it was, we're going on a car journey. So, of course, for birthday or Christmas, you get a load of I Spy books. OK, you choose one. Your parents would say, look, we were going out to the country for a picnic. How about this one? I spy in the country or something. So, OK, you take that in the car. You're looking out of the window. You're bored. So what am I looking for on here? I spy a cow. So there's a field. There's, oh, no, there's sheep. Another field. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, there's a cow. Right, tick that one off. And then it would be silly things. I don't, well, not silly, perhaps, but I spy something or other. I don't know, a tractor pulling a hayrick. Well, there weren't any tractors and hayricks. I, I saw a tractor. I saw a trailer on the tractor or a plough, but a hayrick. You know, there were so many things in the I Spy books that I never spied. I, I used to tick them off anyway, but I couldn't see them. You could get I Spy badges, couldn't you? Things like that. But there were so many I Spy books. There were a whole range. I, I don't know whether they still do them, but uh, I suppose they were fun. Probably better off I Spy Perhaps, I don't know, on the road, cars and traffic signs, that sort of thing. But uh, things like farms and stuff, it was a total waste of time. But of course they sold comics in the sweet shop. Uh, my favourite were the Dandy and the Beano. They were good. Had those delivered every, I think it was Tuesday and Thursday morning they arrived, uh, while I was still in bed. Because in those days, the paper boy came early, sort of seven o'clock in the morning. The postman was early. The milkman, well, he could get there at four in the morning. They started early. These days, the postman seems to come any old time, middle of the day, afternoon, morning, whenever. So my mum used to bring me the comic while I was still in bed. So on a Tuesday and Wednesday, I could read the comic before I got up and went to school. So that was good. But this explains why we were always over the sweet shop. I mean, what we didn't do, which is what a lot of children do these days, and young adults, teenagers, youths, whatever, they hang around outside shops with their bikes. We didn't do that. I mean, that's boring. What's the point of hanging around on the pavement outside a shop? No, no, we had better things to do. We were over the railway station watching the steam engines go by or in the woods uh, throwing bangers at each other or climbing trees or poking around in the pond. I don't ever remember hanging around outside shops. In fact, shops were boring. Apart from the sweet shop, you go in, you get your stuff, whatever you're buying with your pocket money, then you get away. You don't hang around outside the shop in, you know, in everyone else's way because uh, they do that, don't they? They've got bikes on the ground and you, know, you, can't, you have to step over bikes to get into the sweet shop. Well, I don't because I don't go into town. I'm just looking out of the window now. No, not at the girls walking past, but the sky is black and it's getting darker and darker in here. I think we're in for some rain possibly a storm. Do you like storms? I love electrical storms, lightning, thunder. I know a lot of people don't. In fact, I heard, what was that? You probably can't hear that. Was that thunder? I think we had, now this, you're going to say this is silly. I'm pretty sure we had more electrical storms back in those days than we do now. I don't know why that should be. Is that something to do? Has the weather changed? Why would there be more storms? Perhaps I just remember more. But every summer, there were storms. 
huge forks of lightning going down into the sea. I used to cycle down to the beach, stand on the shore, looking out to see the thunder, the warm air, you know, the hot air of the summer evening. It's getting dusk, heading towards dark, and fork lightning whizzing down, zigzagging from the sky into the sea, and the loud rumbling, fantastic. Electrical storms are brilliant. I don't like it when they get too close to home. There was one, was it a few years ago, a couple of years ago, one night, I was looking out of the bedroom window, it woke me up, looked out of the bedroom window, and the fork lightning was actually coming down on the land. I think a couple of houses got hit. People were okay, but that was a bit too close for comfort. The flash and the noise, the whole house rattling, you know, the windows rattling. But if it's a bit further out to sea, then it's absolutely brilliant to watch. The sweet shop was uh, an Aladdin's cave, a true Aladdin's cave. They sold puzzles. I couldn't get into puzzles. I think I didn't have the concentration. I, I just sit there. After 10 minutes, I think, I can't do this. I couldn't find the bits, especially if you're doing a puzzle where there's a lot of blue sky. And you think, well, I don't know, they're all the same shape. They're all different. I can't find the bit that fits in there. So I couldn't be bothered with puzzles. But they sold jokes. Now, they used to have joke shops. I don't think we have one of those near us, but our sweet shop sold jokes. You know, silly things like um, exploding cigars, which was just, I don't know what, I don't know how it worked, actually. It's probably highly dangerous. The cigar thing, you know, you light the end or something and it would explode. I don't think you had to light it. I can't remember, honestly. I expect someone will remind me. Raiserants at protonmail.com so you can email me. Raiserants at protonmail.com Whoopee cushions. Do you remember the whoopee cushions? You know, you'd sit on them and they'd make a type noise. They were great fun. Used to catch my old nan out. She'd come round on a Sunday sometimes. She'd come down from Sutton up in Surrey on the train. And she'd sit down after a long journey. And of course, I got the whoopee cushion there. Great fun. Do you know what she used to do every Sunday? Well, I don't think she came down every Sunday. She had a load of carrier bags with her. In those days, paper carrier bags with a string handle. Proper, disposable, degradable, whatever. None of this plastic rubbish. And what was in the carrier bags? There were four of us kids. We used to wait for her. We'd look out the window. Here comes Nan. Here she comes. Why were we so excited? Well, we were excited to see Nan, but she used to buy loads of comics and sweets. And I remember Toffee Crisp, Topic, Mars Bars, uh, oh, oh dear, what else was there? Loads of sweets. My favourite was Topic and Crunchy. Do you remember Crunchy? They were brilliant. Because my mum used to say to her, look, do you have to bring all these? It was my mum's mum. She'd say, mum, do you have to bring all these sweets down with you? Oh, well, the kids like them. Again, no thought to our teeth or <laughs> anything like that. It was just great when Nan arrived. And this was before Sunday lunch. So, of course, you know, don't eat those sweets before. No, no, we won't eat them before lunch. That's all right. And we're in the lounge. Oh, I'll just have a quick toffee crisp. I'll just have a crunchy. <laughs> so when the dinner came out, because in those days we had dinner, what was it, sort of two o'clock, I think, something like that. Then we weren't hungry. So we get told off. Then my nan would get told off. We'd all be told off. And my dad would get told off because he hasn't told us off. Excellent. And of course, being a Sunday, we'd have the radio on, the old wireless on the sideboard, the Billy Cotton Band Show. Do you remember that? Duh, 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 duh. I forget. Yeah, Billy Cotton Band Show. The Clitheroe Kid. That was one of my favourites. That was on. Because we'd have our... We didn't have a dining room, so we'd have Sunday lunch in the lounge but we'd bring out the big table so we'd sit in there we'd had the radio on while we're having lunch is it sunday lunch or dinner lunch isn't it so i would listen to the clitheroe kid i love the clitheroe kid uh there were a lot of programmers like that well as you know round the horn itmar the goons loads of stuff on the radio it was fantastic tv as well and that was not on in the day tv was on in the evenings not during the daytime but i used to wait for the clitheroe kid to come on and what was the other one I liked? Do you know, I can't remember. It's a long time ago. Round the Horn. Was it Round the Horn? That was good. They were all good, actually. They were great radio shows. Being radio or wireless back then, you could you, know, you could just relax in a chair or whatever, 
or us kids would be on the floor playing with something, but you could still listen. You didn't have to stare at a screen and follow it that way. You could just do what you wanted. You just you could doze off, <laughs> as the adults sometimes did. I remember once, I was very young, and I said earlier, everyone smoked. I was, oh, how old was I? Three, four, no, five, I don't know. And I was on the floor, and my uncle was smoking, and he just put his, his cigarette in his hand, and he let his hand go down by his armchair, and it, the end, the lighted end, just brushed my arm. And it really hurt, of course, I was crying, and I, I went under a chair, and I hid. I don't know why I remember that. That's when we lived up in Sutton, in Surrey. So I don't know how old I was, very young. Funny how you remember odd things like that, isn't it? Talking of Sutton in Surrey, uh, we moved when I was five years old, moved down to Sompting, which is behind Lansing, if you have a look on the map, sort of between Worthing and Shoreham. And there's a funny thing about Sompting. I don't know whether I've mentioned this before, but they've got treacle mines. How about that? You wonder where treacle comes from. It comes from the treacle mines in Sompting. Yeah, look it up. Honestly, look it up. Put it into Google or wherever. Treacle mines, Sompting. That's S-O-M-P-T-I-N-G. West Sussex or whatever you need to put in. And you'll see all about the treacle mines. And there's actually a, a picture, I think, or a video. A chap's done a video on YouTube showing you the entrance to the old mines. How about that? You see, you thought treacle came from... Tate and Lyle, didn't you, in tins? Well, it does, but that's where they get it from. You sometimes see the Tate and Lyle lorries down, you know, big tanker-type lorries with huge pipes, sucking all the black treacle out of one mine and all the golden-type syrup treacle out of the other mine. It's good, good to go and watch, but it's highly secret. Very few people know how to get there. So, I mean, I know, obviously, because I've been there many times, but... Uh, that might be worth looking up the next time you're on Google or Google Maps or whatever. And of course, also not far from where I live, it's quite an area, this down here. It's uh, loads of secrecy, loads of stuff going on around where I live. If you look up Clapham Woods, Clapham, as in Clapham Junction, Clapham Woods, West Sussex, ghosts. It's full of ghosts and, and stories about ghosts and aliens and all loads of stuff. That's been going on for years. So look up something treacle mines and Clapham Woods. It's quite a nice area where we are. We're in a bit of a bay here. Um, so we, we're protected weather-wise in the winter and the summer. We doesn't get too hot. We've got the sea breeze and things. Talking of the summer. Here we go. I'm off again. No, I won't. I won't. But I can't wait. I can't. How are you doing? Have I asked you how you're doing in lockdown? Have you been up to anything exciting recently? Have I? Um, no, apart from getting a new tyre fitted on the car this morning, ready for the MOT after the weekend, I haven't done much. Been on amateur radio, of course, chatting to friends locally. Chatted to a chap in France the other day. Oh, that was yesterday. So he's doing all right in France, an expat. Um, heard a couple of people in Spain, but didn't talk to them. Um, just had a listen round. So that's good. And there's something else that's good. By the time you hear this on Sunday, the clocks would have changed. We go forward. Yeah, we go forward an hour, spring forward, fall back. So we go forward an hour. So when I wake up uh, on Sunday morning to put this podcast episode on, if I normally wake at half five, which I do, it the clock will say, well, it'll actually be half five, but the clock will say half six. So we lose an hour. I've never understood all this losing. I don't lose an hour. I just, I just get up at the same time. I get up at the same time my, my body clock says. I don't worry about what the clock clock says. So anyway, that'll be good because we have lighter evenings and it, it'll feel more like summer, which is a good thing. I think that's what we all need, isn't it? Some sunshine. The frog spawn. I've got to keep mentioning the frog spawn. That's still in the pond. A friend of ours over the road wanted some the other day to put in her friend's pond. I don't think you should separate it. I did try and sort of pull a lump off. It's a big mass of jelly and it's quite tightly packed. And all the little tadpoles in there are coming on nicely. So I thought, well, I won't disturb it. But I did say that uh, perhaps I put a few tadpoles in a jar and she can have those for her friend's pond. This is the first year, I've probably mentioned this before as well, first year in, what, five, six years we've ever had frog spawn. 
so I don't really want to spoil it. Talking of things interesting near where I am, High Down Gardens, Lord and Lady Stern. I think I've told you before, I definitely have, how I got into their garden when I was young. Well, High Down Gardens in Worthing is now owned by the council and they've just spent, I think it's just under a million pounds on the gardens. There was the gardener's bungalow, which is now a, what is it, a something, what do they call, a reception centre or, I don't know, something daft. <laughs> um, but the gardens themselves are absolutely beautiful. There are ponds, uh, waterfalls, loads of species of flowers from all over the world. Apparently Lord Stern, he, or oh, back in the, when I, goodness knows when, 30s, 20s, 40s, I don't know. He went all around the world bringing plants back and uh, they're all there in High Down Gardens. So I'm really looking forward to going there because the lockdown... Now, where are you? You're going to hear this Sunday. Is it... Um, where are we? To, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Monday, isn't it? The 29th. I think from Monday we can meet in other people's gardens or something. I don't know. I get mixed up with the rules. But I do believe that from Monday onwards we can kind of get together in gardens. I thought that was a dust cart. I don't know whether you heard that. That's something that's been missing this week. And you're now wondering what that was, that Morse code. That's one of my radios. I listen to a local repeater. So you don't want to know about that, do you? So, yes, what was I, I don't know what I was saying. I get these interruptions, dust carts and Morse code and seagulls. Well, no seagulls. So, yes, I'm looking forward to High Down Gardens, Amberley Working Museum. I've probably mentioned that before. That's at the back of Arundel. If you look up Amberley on the map, West Sussex. I don't know why you want to look all this up. You're thinking, what do I want to look this up for? I don't care where he lives. I don't care what he's got up the road from him. I just thought it might be interesting. <laughs> Perhaps it's not. I don't know. Actually, several people from abroad have said to me, it's great to hear about what it's like in the UK, you know, uh, in your area, what sort of things are going on there. So, yeah, I think some people do appreciate a bit of background to to either the local geography here. So look up Amberley Museum. It's probably amberleymuseum.co.uk or something, but type that into Google and have a look. We go up there a lot in the summer. It's nice. Then we've got the local refuse tip. It would like a trip up there at the weekend, take our sandwiches and a flask of coffee, sit there. <laughs> no, we don't. Sit there in our folding chairs, smelling all the lovely rubbish people are dumping on. No, we don't do that. I think, I'm sure a friend of mine used to, though, he was often saying that he'd go up to the tip and sit there with his flask and sandwiches, watching everything going on. I, I, I believe him, actually. He's a, a bit of a nutter, so it wouldn't surprise me if he actually did that. We've got the beach. The seafront is only a mile away to the south of where I am. But, you know, apart from never going into town, I never go down to the beach. I don't like the sea. It's just, I, I don't know, it's not nice. I just don't like it. I think people are either sea people or country people. I'm country people. Don't like the sea at all. I remember when I was a kid on the beach, you had to be careful with tar. Do you know what the ships, because the English Channel is you know, one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world. And what the tankers used to, oil tankers, they'd wash out their tanks with seawater. So they flush out all this heavy crude oil into the sea I mean, it's awful when you think about it. And of course, it would wash up on the shore and you know, not like an oil spillage, not that much. And it would all turn into tar, like bitumen. And of course, it's on the stones and it's on the sand. There's lumps of it everywhere. So you had to be very careful. You know, as a kid, we go down there with our picnic, put the blanket down. Very, very careful because there's this black sticky tar all over the place. At least that's gone now. And then at other times you'd have seaweed wash up yeah i think uh this bit of the coast is really well known for that uh, not so much these days well i don't know i don't go down there but i don't think i i don't hear about it so much these days seaweed would wash up onto the beach red hot summer day so what happens it all dries out it stinks and there's flies millions and millions and trillions and billions of flies all over the beach then you get a few dead fish mixed up with all the seaweed Bits of old fishing line, things, you know, fish that have been strangled. And honestly, the smell, what with that and the tar, I think that's what put me off the beach, to be honest. 
you know, as a kid going down there, it was smelly. There were flies, there was tar everywhere. And there used to be the, the sewer outlet things. I mean, I don't, they've all gone now. But um, sometimes, not very often, but you'd see stuff floating in the sea. You know, where you're having a little paddle or something. What's that? Ah, oh, yeah, right. I don't think I'll go in the water and go and sit back on the stones. I reckon that's what put me off the sea, the beach and all that. I like ships. I don't like being on a ship, but I like ships. I'd love to go down the engine room. Have a look on YouTube on some of these huge uh, cargo ships and tankers. The engines are massive. And the engine rooms aren't filthy. You know, they're not all covered in dirt and oil. They're spotless. It honestly looks like a hospital. They're that clean. Everything is all immaculate down there. I'd love to go and have a look at an engine room on one of these huge ships. But of course, you're not allowed to, are you? I said that that uh, chap I know that reckons he goes up to the refuse tip and sits there with his flask of coffee and sandwiches, said he was a nutter. I know quite a few nutters. I seem to attract them. Well, that's what people say. I attract weirdos and nutters. I'm not sure if that's true. Well, it is actually. I'm wondering whether to do a podcast episode on nutcase people. <laughs> that would be interesting. Whenever I go to the supermarket, well, I don't now because of lockdown, I, I seem to attract people, strange people. I was in one, oh, I'm going back a couple of years now, and I put a load of drinks in the trolley. We were having a barbecue. So we had beer and wine and all sorts of stuff. And this chap came up to me and he said, oh, you've bought a lot of beer. And I said, uh, yes, I, I have. Having a party then? I, I said, well, a barbecue. Oh, you've bought some wine. And he started lifting items out of the trolley. Oh, oh no, I don't like that beer. I don't like this wine. And of course, my wife came back from getting whatever she got and she put it in the trolley. And she's sniggering. She's, she knew I always attract these people. Wherever I go in the supermarket or anywhere, you know, we went to a, oh, what was it, not a christening, whatever it was, someone's party or wedding anniversary thing in a, a big garden at the back of a pub. And we're sitting there and it's a lovely summer afternoon and we're all having a chat, we're sitting around tables. And this chap, I don't know where he came from, he wasn't one of our group. He came and sat next to me and of course my wife's sniggering. She thought, obviously thought, you know, here we go again. He's got another nutcase. And I do, I'm like a magnet. And he said, uh, he said, hello, I'm David. I said, oh, hello, David. I hear you're into radio. And I said, oh, well, yeah, how do you know that? He said, oh, so-and-so over there told me. And he was a radio amateur. I thought, oh, dear. Another, you know, a fellow radio ham. And uh, he, said, oh, he was going on and on about aerials and radios, which I love, but not when we're at a, a wedding anniversary. So in the end, I had to get rid of I don't want to be rude. I don't like to be rude to anyone. I couldn't tell him to clear off. But uh, I did say to him, that I've got to you know, chat to people. I've got to mingle with guests. And uh, luckily, in the end, he wandered off and annoyed someone else. But uh, a friend of mine, I invited him to one of our barbecues. And I, I said, oh, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. Introduced him to a few people. Do you know what he did for the whole afternoon? stood right next to me all the time, going on about radios. He was a radio amateur, going on about radios. I'm trying to talk to other people. I'm trying to do the barbecue. Right, who wants another sausage? Oh, you want another burger? And he's right next to me, going on and on about radios. So perhaps I'll do a, a nutcase <laughs> podcast episode. Oh, I don't know. I better not, had I? No, I get into trouble. How about emailing me, raiserants at protonmail.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Raiserants at protonmail.com. I'm going to give you an incorrect email address. So if you've got any ideas, suggestions or whatever, I need suggestions. What do you want to know about the UK? If you're living abroad, what do you want to know about the UK, say, in the 50s and 60s? Anything in particular? And if you live in the UK and you're really old like me, what do you remember? You do, let's think about what you remember. And if you're in the UK and you're really young unlike me, then what do you want to know about what it was like, you know, when your mum and dad were kind of young in the 50s and 60s? Listen, I'm going to end it here. We're coming up to the hour, which uh, people seem to like, an hour of boredom and nonsensical. What was it a friend of mine used to say in the pub years ago? Inane drivel. He'd say to me, oh, look, he's talking inane drivel once again. Anyway, I hope you don't think... <laughs> I hope you haven't thought this is inane drivel and I hope you're doing well with lockdown. 
email me. One or two people. You know, I said about emailing me, you know, if you feel a bit lonely, you're on your own. One or two people have, actually more than one or two. So we're in touch by email, which is rather nice. I've just remembered, I was in a sweet shop once and I found a pound note on the floor. I handed the pound note in to the lady behind the counter. I thought that was the best thing to do. I said, look, I've just found this on the floor. And she took it and she said, oh, okay, thanks very much, love. And she put it in her pocket. That stuck in my mind. She kept it. I shouldn't have done that. I should have kept it. I mean, that's not a very good thing to do. Right in front of me, right in front of a, whatever, a 10 or 11-year-old kid. You know, I, I, I should have put it in my pocket. I must have been mad. Anyway, listen, take care. The clocks have changed. Do they change around the world? I think they do. They do change in other countries, don't they? So all our clocks have changed and none of us have a clue what, what time it is at all. In fact, I said to a friend of mine on the radio this morning, I said, these days, I don't know what month it is, let alone what day it is. I'm getting totally confused. Take care. See you next Sunday. Oh, and the midweek message on Wednesday. Take care. Bye-bye for now.